Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Well, boys, welcome back. For the first time in a couple weeks, we are reunited for a Sticks in the Six episode, episode 120, brought to you by the fine folks at the NDL House and the VSN Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, joined by my wonderful co-host, Peter Barracchini and Alex Hobson. As I mentioned, boys, a lot a lot to talk about going into the playoffs here. We got some, some Maple Leafs talk. We got some Nyes talk. He was in the lineup uh, last night. But before we get to that, we haven't seen each other in a couple of weeks. So, Alex, how you doing, my friend? Doing good. Uh, I was at the Jays home opener last night, and it was uh, it was an unreal night, obviously. You know how the game turned out. Uh, it was just great to be back there, and I know it's it's a cliche thing to say because obviously it's been it's been reported on and talked about so much, but the renovations there are so sick. Like the outfield, it genuinely looks like you're walking through a little a, a little town. Like there's like like the, just the just the amount of different places you can go, and just the, the social aspect is completely driven up compared to where it was last year. And I love that they've got those $20 general admission tickets now. Uh, uh, I had seats yesterday, but I think that's something I'm definitely going to capitalize on in the future. So mm-hmm. uh, unreal time at the Jays home opener. I'm watching the game right now. Actually, Gosman's fucking dealing. He's got seven strikeouts in four innings so far. Um, uh, yeah, so I uh, fired up the baseballs back. I've just kind of been using this past week and a half to to just kind of like, it, like I don't know, look away from the fact that the Leafs have a playoff series coming up. I've been trying to like push it off and pretend it's pretend nothing's happening. You know, I don't have hockey to care about because they've already clinched home ice and all that. I just don't want to watch. I'm just going to watch baseball and just pretend that everything's all right. And, can't run uh, from it, man. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I know I can't. I'm going to try to, that's not going to stop me from trying to run from it. Uh, I'm still going to uh, do my best. There you go. Yeah. You know what? I love the, I love the, uh, the renovations because like I, I remember visiting uh, Pittsburgh, uh, PNC Park in Pittsburgh, and, and one of the things I liked about it was the walk behind behind the scoreboard. They had like that big walkway. You can kind of interact with people, and especially for like out of town fans, it's always great coming in and you know get get that opportunity to kind of mingle a little bit with some of the hometown fans. I've heard a lot about the new uh, the new setup behind the visiting bullpen, which is going to be exciting yeah. as the yeah. year gets kind of ramped up. But um, yeah, I'm excited to get out there. I definitely got to get to a game this year. Um, but, uh, otherwise, uh, Peter, how you doing, buddy? 
Doing good, yeah. I, I, I honestly like those new renovations are absolutely sublime. Like they're perfect, and it creates that more social gathering kind of thing. Because you, you go inside Rogers Center, it's just like go in, take your seat, and that's it. There is no no interaction base area except for the WestJet flight deck. So good on them to revamp everything, add some more, uh, you know, club or like bar areas so everybody could join in. That's great. Um, yeah, I, I am low key. It's been a little like, you know, kind of easy couple of weeks, you know, taking it easy, obviously doing the writing on off days or whatever, but yeah, not a whole lot going on my end. So like, it was like these last two weeks or week and a half has just been pretty, pretty boring. I'll say from, from my end, I don't have any like good stories, obviously, like I wanted to try and hit as many Jays games as possible this season because of the new renovations and all that. But yeah. Quiet on my end, not a whole lot. Sorry, sorry, guys. If I'm, you know, all this time off, and I have got, and I've got absolutely zero, like anything, like zero things to talk about right now. Hey, I can compete with your boredom. I've worked. That's it. I've worked. That's, that's all I've done for like two weeks now. So, if you're wondering why we haven't done a show, I mean, I, I've been, I've been working ninety plus hours a week right now, getting this new store ready here in London. But, um, yeah, boys, it's been, it's been a heck of a two weeks, and. Uh, I, I can't wait, like I said, to get out to a Jays game this year. Hopefully we can kind of meet up with uh, with not having doing the live shows in Toronto mm-hmm. right now, but uh, get us all out to a game and, and, and have a few uh, few uh, bevies and oh, see yeah. how it goes down. But uh, yeah, a quick shout out to Cody Bissell who's tuning in, a friend of the show. Um, just shouting out, uh, hey boys, so uh, what's going on, Cody? Thanks for tuning in and uh, we're excited to get some Leaf talk going here. So with that, we might as well jump right in um Matthew Nyes, guys what's that I was, oh I thought you were going for the playoffs okay never mind no no <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking I want to save playoffs for a little bit later but I want to talk about there Matthew Nyes. um obviously losing in the uh in the uh, championship game again uh, this year to Quinnipiac uh fun story about Quinnipiac I used to watch them play Mercyhurst um my cousin played for Mercyhurst um obviously Mercyhurst is in the news these days for the wrong reasons uh Briere's kid but um yeah, Matthew Nyes not winning the, the championship again, but signing now with the Leafs, getting into the lineup last night, and didn't really look too out of place. And Peter, I'll throw it to you first. Your thoughts on Matthew Nyes, what he brings to this lineup, if he's a guy that maybe we could see maybe push into that lineup for, for a playoff spot, or are we, are we talking about, you know, he got his one game and, and uh, you know, maybe he'll be a replacement come injury time? Yeah, uh, I mean – Obviously, like the first game was kind of a shock because, you know, Sam Lafferty was out and, you know, he was thrusted into that kind of role uh, right away on the third line. And he didn't look out of place against the Florida Panthers. You know, he showed his great puck, uh, puck protection skills, the play along the boards, his ability to be, have that strength down low and even bring the puck out to the middle of the ice. And uh, obviously, he didn't get a shot on that in this first game, but he generated quality chances for his teammates there. And that's the most important thing because he plays that power forward game. And for him to do that in his first outing was really great and very impressive. Obviously, even in his second game, too, some hiccups here and there. But his strengths and what he was able to do with the puck in the offensive zone really stood out. And even like in in the defensive zone, like he was got like he was getting into position very well, breaking up plays, a um, couple nifty plays here and there. And obviously, in his second one against the Lightning, I honestly thought he scored that goal. I thought it went in and out very quickly. Like we've seen that powerful release and quick accuracy that he has, especially in the middle of the slot area. 
Um, but for the puck to like just you know trickle on the line and just roll on there, stay there, and then you see the hesitation for Martin O'Reilly because you wanted him to get his first goal, and when it didn't cross the line, that's when he went in there. Um, you know, classy move on O'Reilly for him to try and make sure that he did get his first, but got his first point regardless. Um, very impressive first two games, I, I, I must say. And, you know, obviously a lot of people are going to look to his production in college this season, how it didn't really jump out considering he was playing with Logan Cooley and Jimmy Snuggerud. Uh, but he was fantastic in that uh, with uh, the Gophers, he was fantastic in his first two games. And in terms of lineup projections, obviously you want to temper expectations a little bit. He's not going to be in that top six role like he was against the Lightning, but if there comes a moment where there is an injury or player a player's having an off game, yeah, he's definitely a player that you could call upon because you've seen what he can do in key moments in tough situations, really back to back in Florida going up against a tough team like the lightning. And he still kind of excelled in that area. So um, obviously it's a long shot, but it isn't entirely impossible for him to try and crack the roster given what he was able to show in his first two outings. Yeah, Alex. I mean, a little, little bit more hesitant in his first appearance, 12 minutes, just over 12 minutes, no shots, uh, 18, 18 shifts, though, and getting the time that, you know, you need to give this kid if he's going to if he's going to develop well um, into exactly what the Leafs want. Um, looked a little bit more comfortable in that game, the, the last game against Tampa. Um, your thoughts on Matthew Nyes? This is a guy that, you know, we're getting him a few games here. Are we going to maybe see him slide in in, in one game in the playoffs? Yeah, unfortunately, I missed a lot of the those two those past two games, so I didn't really get to see too too much of Matthew Nye's live. But from the highlights and from what I've from what I saw in the games that I or at the times when I was able to watch the game, he looks like he fits in right away. And I know that his second game, from what I heard, was definitely better than his first game. Um, and I think that you know he's got the size and that he's got the he's got the body and 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 the instincts to be able to stick in the NHL right now. And I think that he's somebody who could definitely be of service to the Leafs in the playoffs, but I think just the way that Zach Aston Reese has played for this past month, I can't see Sheldon Keefe putting Nyes in in favor of him. And on that note, I really don't think that there's anybody else in the lineup that Keefe would take out for Nyes right now. Um, that being said, I think that he's in a position where, you know, if the Leafs have a bad game in game two, game three, something like that, hell, even game one, um, I think that Nice is somebody who could come into the lineup and maybe look to spark the offense a little bit. And um, you know, you put a you you put a kid in that kind of situation, and uh, especially somebody like Nice who's been known to live up to the occasion before, it can give you a boost. So uh, I don't think he's going to be in the lineup game one, but I think if he plays on Thursday the same way that he did on Tuesday, uh, I think that we're going to be looking at a potential playoff appearance for him. I just I'm not sure about game one. Yeah, no, and, and I agree with you guys. I think, uh, you know, had, had Zach Aston Reese really not kind of come alive in this last month, I think we'd be having maybe a different conversation. That said, I do think, uh, you know, Sheldon Keefe is, is very, very um, committed to the players that he wants in his lineup. And we've seen that with Justin Hall the entire season. So um, to, to have that, I think, you know, it's nice to get Nyes in there and get a few games out of him and, and really see what he can bring to the lineup. And I mean, if you're a Leaf fan right now, you have to be excited about what you've seen. Um, like I said, a little hesitant in the first game, uh, but that second game he looked more, more, you know, in in relaxed, the zone and kind composed. of yeah, relaxed and and just ready to ready to play his game. And I think that's what you want from a guy like that. And he's had the opportunity to develop a little bit in college, and we're seeing some of those guys come out. I know 
Uh, Matt Coronado is supposed to play for, uh, for um, Calgary as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see like what some of these, some of these kids are, are, are going to bring in the final few games here, but um, yeah, no, I, I, am excited to see what he brings down the road. I think right now he's not a guy that kind of slides into that playoff playoff roster, especially because you went out at the deadline and you got the pieces you needed. And now you're hopefully going in as healthy as you can, uh, given the rest that you've given some of your star players over the last couple of games. And, um, you know, uh, there's not really a spot for him right now, but, I like what I've seen. I think most of Leafs Nation is going to like what they see from Matthew Nyes moving forward. And really, the the fact is, is he signed now to the to to mm-hmm. the entry level deal, and that's the biggest thing. Is now he's within the organization. Now you're going to get an opportunity to kind of see what he does at development camp next year. And you know, we could be having a completely different conversation come the 2023-24 season. So. Um, two more quick points. I just want to add quickly, absolutely. like he, like the way that he was able to, like, obviously we talked about his size and how well he's able to handle the physicality for a young player to jump in like that. And, you know, obviously there were a couple of shifts. I think one was against, uh, Mark Saul in the corner and he just actually, absolutely just like, not necessarily like a, like he, he, he showed the great positioning and awareness to shield the puck, get the puck out. And even that added speed element, to his uh, feet really helped him out in that regard. So that's really going to help him out in the corners. And another thing too, I mean, we talk about obviously rookie coming in. It's usually difficult for them to try and crack that roster spot, but considering his resume of what he already has, I think he has something going for him where he doesn't just want to like have a backseat to this team. He wants to, he wants to be a player that can make a difference. And we see, we seen that with, back-to-back frozen fours back-to-back uh big 10 championships the world juniors and even the olympics too like this is a guy that's played a lot of like highly competitive hockey in big moments and i think he he can live not necessarily live up to expectations of big moments but he can certainly provide an impact whether it's on the score sheet or just doing the little things that'll help the team succeed and i think that's going to help him out big time I think it's too like it's worth noting too that like I mean still going into this season there there were people out there kind of speculating like this was an undervalued pick by the Leafs Um, Mm -hmm. even with what he did last season then he went out and did what he did this year and and uh, like I said he came up and and these last two games he's kind of shown you know he's willing to willing to buy in and and kind of play the game that he needs to play to 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 really develop and, and become the player that he can play or can be at the NHL level so. It'll be interesting. I know it's two games. We're sitting here dwelling on two games, but um, you know, it's 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 one of the more exciting prospects we've had since you know your your top four. So, I think uh, I think it's you know it's something that we have to watch going forward. And like I said, development camp next year is going to be a lot of fun seeing what he can do, what he can put forward. Um, let's talk some Michael Bunting because going into the playoffs. Obviously, we all know that one of the biggest things is, is is special teams and how that can change the outcome of a game. We saw it a couple of years back where the Leafs just couldn't get it done on the power play. It changed the outcome of the series. Um, Michael Bunting can be a very polarizing player in terms of how calls are made. And I'm not going to sit here and deny that he is drawn. Like, I think he's number one in drawn penalties this year. I think he's second. One. Yeah, second. So, um I mean, that all things considered, like he does benefit the team as well. But at the same time, I want to get your input on uh, how he can affect the outcome of a game in a, in a maybe not so 
good light as well, especially with the recent comments of like former referees and, and saying like, you know, he's maybe a guy that is kind of focused in on a little bit more when the Leafs are playing. And Alex, what are your thoughts on Michael Bunting? Is this, is this something to worry about going into the playoffs or, or are we going to see, you know, maybe a Michael Bunting that kind of tightens up his play a little bit and maybe more draws the penalties, but isn't kind of the focal point of, of, of the zebras out there. I honestly don't have an answer because I want to say that Bunting will tighten things up and he, he won't be, you know, he won't be in the, in the mic or holy, he won't be under the microscope of the referees is what I was trying to say. Um, that being said, I, 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 we've seen this story play out in the playoffs before with the officials and how, uh, what they do and the way they, uh, they, they officiate games in the playoffs. So really, I, I, I don't really have an answer for how, how they're going to treat Bunting. Uh, I think he's certainly going to make an effort to stay out of the box because I think he wants – obviously he wants the team to win. I don't think he's going to put, you know, his personal vendettas for other players and things like that over team success. But I can't say with confidence that the refs are going to treat him any differently than they have been all year. So um, who knows how that's going to play out. Peter, your thoughts on Michael Bunting? Is this uh, is this something we're going to have to worry about going into a, a series against Tampa Bay? Um, obviously, officiating something we've talked about all season long. So, um, you know, your thoughts on on how M- Michael Bunting might, you know, uh, influence the outcome of this series? I mean, if the refs actually do their job, I mean, maybe. But at the same time, like th- th- there was a point like in January, February, where Michael Bunting and even throughout the whole entire season, he was complaining a lot about missed calls and everything like that. That's a given. And you know what? He may have fallen in, out of favor with the rest because of the constant, you know, badgering of, you know, wanting to get a call against him and he's yelling at them. And even there have been instances where he has dove and like he has embellished a couple of times too, but I digress. But ever since that, uh, you know, Detroit Red Wings game, it just seems like things have gotten worse and worse and worse. And even when Bunting is trying to like, you know, keep things calm and we all know how he plays on that edge, right? Getting in the opponent's face and agitating them. Even when he's doing that, the te- teams now know that if they, if he's involved in something, and we even saw that against the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're going to go after him and make him a target and try and bait him because that's they know that the rest are watching him like a hawk and they're going to call something against him. Case in point, uh, got, gets cross-checked, like massive cross-check from Corey Perry, middle of the ice. Nothing happens. He gets up and he goes after him, you know, stands up for himself. And then they both get thrown into the box for offsetting minors. That to me, that wouldn't have happened if you just called that cross-check because it was evidently a cross-check. And I don't know what the hell the rest were thinking. Then John Tavares gets jumped by three lightning players. Bunting comes in to try and takes one. And then he gets thrown off for like interference. The refs know what they're doing. They have it out for Bunting. And if you can't realize that right now after watching that game, like, like the, just the overall situation of the officiating, not just on Bunting himself, but like throughout the league, is just absolutely disgraceful. It's a joke. It's garbage. And I don't understand why they have these vendettas against players when they should just be calling the game itself. And if Bunt, Bunting, I, I'm sorry, he, as as difficult as it is for him to try and fight back, if he does something, refs are going to call him right away for retaliating. They're not going to call the initial penalty of, uh, of let's say he gets tripped up and he goes after, I don't know, let, let, let's say Nikita Kucherov. Kucherov's not going to get that penalty, even though he kind of did get one against Brody. Um, 
in the last game. But if he's going after somebody, the refs are going to book him right away. And it, it's a sad state, but this is where it is right now. And Bunting's just going to have to try and keep things in check as best as possible because we know how well and how thr- how well he thrives in that kind of role. It's just right now, it's a, it, it's not necessarily affecting his play. It's affecting the calls against him because if he if he's about to draw a call. The refs are going to find something and say, hey, you know what? You're going off too. So it's going to be instead of a five on four, it's, it's you know, four on four. It's funny you should say that. Uh, as I mentioned, Cody's tuning in. This is Cody's comment. You, you could see Bunting holding back last game and it didn't help. The play when JT was getting mugged by three guys and he came Sorry, in and grabbed one guy. He got the only two on the play. It's egregious. Um, yeah. He follows it up by saying if he can change, the, then the refs have to as well. Cody, I agree. This is something we've been talking about all year. Um, I, I think the officiating, though, but... the officiating in in every sports league right now needs a revamp. Um, you're talking about the top four leagues in the world uh, in terms of like your your big four sports, and 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 officiating for whatever reason has kind of taken that that front row seat of like this is this is about us, and it's unfortunate because we have seen games changed because of it. Uh, not again, not just Leaf games. It's something that we. You know, we have conversations with, I think we had to talk about the Vancouver game, you know, four or five weeks ago, and that was an issue. And uh, it's just, it's one of those things that unfortunately you can't change um, unless the league looks at it from a different perspective. And as we saw with Kyle Dubas's comments at the uh, GM meetings a couple years ago, officiating, everything is okay. We're perfect. Um, little, little something smirk along, at the end, something along the lines of that. So, Peter, it was it was more than a smirk; it was a full on ha, ha, officiating. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everything's I, good I, with officiating. Everything's good with officiating. <laughs> I'm curious to see because apparently he uh, he said that's on Kyle to talk to the league about the first instance that happened with Bunting and Detroit. I'm curious to see what Kyle had to say about the league because it probably did not sit well with Gary Bettman if he was yeah. in that call. Yeah, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's 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 you know it, it's frustrating from a fan standpoint. It's got to be frustrating from a player standpoint. But you have to, unfortunately, I can't believe I'm saying this, but unfortunately, you have to adapt in a way that it's not going to affect the outcome of the game. He just, and he just needs to kind of suck it up at this point because it's not yeah, going to change anything. Unfortunately, yeah, and he is under the microscope, and that's 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 the unfortunate part is that he is under the microscope, and there's nothing that he can really do about it. I mean, he can change his game all he wants. Um, you know, the, obviously, we saw with with the comment that Cody and, and yourself made, mm-hmm. Peter, that you know he's going to be the one that you come in as the third man, and you're going to get the two, and, and it's a retaliatory call, um, and it is unfortunate, but. You're going to be going up against a tough Tampa team. Um, the Tampa's bottom six. They're gonna they're gonna run you. They're gonna they're gonna hit hard. They're gonna play hard. And and this is where he's got to let his emotions kind of, you know, he's got to get the better of his emotions rather than his emotions getting the better of him. And I think that's what uh, that's what he's got to look at from his standpoint. Yeah. I think if you're Sheldon Keith, the second you see him kind of getting out of control, you pull him, you reel him in, mm-hmm. you reel him in, sit him an extra shift, and just say, look, buddy, we get it, we get it, but. This is about the team now. This is about protecting us. This is about getting out of the first round. Yeah. Um, and that's what the focus has to be. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's something that we, we, definitely, we definitely have seen, not just this year, but over the past year. But it's, it's uh, a conversation that needs to be had. And, and Tim, uh, Tim Barron, he's, he's uh, tuning in right now as well. He comments and says, you can't deny any player his style of play. 
I 100% agree. I 100% agree. Um, and, and the unfortunate part is in certain situations right now, they are denying the players their style of play. And it's gotten more away from that, that I don't know, kind of roughhousing style of play that Michael Bunting plays. And he's, he's a rat. He's a, he's a Brad Marshawn. He's a, he's a guy that goes out there and stirs the pot. And um, those Which are the guys official? that they've, I was just about to say, sorry to interrupt you, but what official said that, you know, Michael Bunting is going to have to change his style of play or whatever to get him to get in favor with the refs again. Meanwhile, Brad Marchand has been doing this exact same thing for years and years on end. He has not changed his play style and yet he still gets calls in favor of him at certain points. So if Brad Marchand can't change his player style. Two two words on that one. Two words on that one. Jeremy Jacobs. I was yeah. gonna say yeah. two words on that one. Maple Leafs. Yeah, I think yeah. Jer- Jeremy Jacobs. That's, right. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the that's the answer to that one, and that's yeah. that's why you know even even with all the bullshit that you've seen from Marshawn over the years, I mean he's he's seen fine after fine after fine and very little suspensions. No more suspensions. So. Boys, I uh, I hate to do this right now, but it's a big night for French and Fried. I've got a, I've got a ball hockey game I got to take off. Hey. We uh, had a tough start to the season. We started off zero and two, got got slapped pretty hard, but we were we've won two in a row and our goal differentials back to even. So um, we're looking to make it three wins in a row tonight. And uh, unfortunately, I got to take off for that. So I appreciate you guys uh, carrying the load for the rest of the show while I go save the world, basically. <laughs> No worries, buddy. We're Get looking that forward hattie, to all man. the stories. We're looking forward to all the stories for ball hockey, and I'm glad you could join us for the first first part of this episode. Yeah, but. Hopefully, I'll, I'll have uh, victory beers when I get back, and not depression. <laughs> <laughs> not depression beers cuts himself oh. off. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's a, actually that's a perfect time for our uh, for a quick word from our sponsors there we over go. at the NDL Playoffs are soon back, and with it, so are the Maple Leafs. Getting ready for a night out or watching the game at home with the gang, what better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the fine folks at the Indy Ale House in Toronto? With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto, at Bay & Bloor, the Biroteca location, they have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, and loads of beer. Also at OG Brew, Brew Pub in the junction at Keel and Dundas, with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps, Indy Ale House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship instigator IPA, and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find their wonderful Instigator IPA, which I will crack open right after this ad read, and Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag Live Indie is the motto, adventurous, fun-focused beers with a selection for everyone from the healthy dose of in-your-face hoppy beers for the beer geeks to mainstream pilsners and easy drinking options, Indie Ale House is the go-to for game day. Visit www.indialehouse.com to place your order today. And uh, as I mentioned, Peter, I'm going to quickly crack this one open and get a little sip in there. Let's do it. I love, ready. I love Cody's comment. He won't have any victory without pre-game beers. That's right. That's right. Cody, pre-game Cody knows beers. where it's at. Who needs Cody? Ga- who needs Gatorade or BioSeal when you got, you know, pregame beers? See, and Cody, this is this is the mid-segment beer that uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sitting here enjoying. So definitely, uh, Cody, if you get a chance, check out the NDL House uh, down in Toronto. Make a make a little order for for playoff time. Definitely, definitely, it's worth it. But uh, yeah, I'm glad uh, we got a lot of comments coming in here from Tim and Cody. Got to go back yep. and forth on the 
the style of play of Darcy Tucker. I'm glad, and I'm glad Tim for bringing you bringing up Darcy Tucker. I was actually, as you can see, getting my uh, beard lined up today and getting a little haircut <laughs> from my my wonderful uh, uh, barber Shane. And him and I go back and forth on the Leafs all the time. And uh, he brought up while we were sitting there, he brought up a fight that. Um, Matthew Barnaby and Darcy Tucker back in the day. And if you get a chance, go back and check out this clip on YouTube or, or hockeyfights.com. And um, man, it, 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 you're hundred percent right. When you say the style of play has changed, that was an animalistic fight. And the two of them went toe to toe. I don't like, I watched the whole thing with Shane and I don't think I could tell you who actually won the fight, but it was one of those ones where you sit back and you're like, man, that is an old school tilt. Um, Darcy Tucker was an absolute animal. And, uh, um, you know, I would, I would love, I would love to see more of that uh, in the NHL again. I don't think we will for a long time, uh, but I do think we will circle back to that at some point. Uh, just the, the style of play, you need to protect your stars. You need to protect your players. And that's why the Leafs went out and got a guy like Luke Shen, which we will talk about in a little bit, or at least I will talk about in a little mm-hmm. bit. But before we get into that, uh, one last thing before we get into playoff talk here, Peter, I want to talk to you about uh, Chris Weidman's comments on the Leafs playing Jet Alexander for the last minute and 40 seconds or whatever it was for, for the 7-1 blowout they had on, on those lowly Montreal Canadiens. Um, you know, there was some some Canadians players that came out and said, you know, good for him getting into a game. He's a college kid. Like, what a, what a, what a great opportunity for him to don the blue and white and, and, and get that opportunity um, good on Sheldon Keefe for, for doing what he did and getting him into that game. And then you had Chris Weidman who comes out and says, you know, they're going to get what they get in, in, in whatever time. Um, your thoughts on this comment and, and, you know, what is it just, is it just that disappointing of a year for Chris Weidman that he has to make something, make something out of nothing? Well, I even joked a little bit. I thought he would be a little bit more disappointed that his fancy stats were pretty awful during that game, as opposed to Jet his Alexander, uh, as opposed to Jet Alexander coming in for a minute, 10 seconds. But honestly, I don't understand what the whole issue is. I mean, like, this is a kid that, you know, he again, he plays university hockey. Um, don't, he does, you don't know if a player like that is going to get another opportunity like this again. And it's absolutely just, just a savor the moment. Like it was already a seven, one game. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to get into this or it's going to kind of tie in with what I'm going to talk about as well. It was seven, one, it was completely out of reach. Samsonov was already dealing with some sort of injuries that you did not want him. I, I honestly thought he should have been pulled after he started to like feel something within his leg or his groin or something and put the e-bug in just to be on the air uh, on the side of caution, no matter what, because Sammy's going to be your guy in the playoffs. But for him to come in last minute, 10 seconds, for him to soak that all in, knows what it feels like to be in that moment. It's just a feel-good story. I don't know what it is with people and hating on feel-good stories, but it's just absolutely, like, I, I just don't get it. I really don't. And back, I can't remember when it was in January, yeah, fuck February. fuck David Ayers, okay? Fuck David Ayers. <laughs> in January, February, where the Oilers were dealing with a similar situation, Matt Berlin, I believe, I believe it was, came in, in the dying minutes of that game, it was, again, a blowout against the Chicago Blackhawks. Everyone is saying, oh, that's a great story. It's a feel-good moment. Good on that, Berlin. And rightfully so, right? It, again, another university kid getting that moment, getting that opportunity. Why not feel good about it? But apparently what is happening with the Maple Leafs right now, you can't do it. 
you can't. It's disgraceful to the game. It's showing. It's basically rubbing it in your opponent's face and all that. I'm like, just, just give me a break already. Like, just be happy for the kid. And even so, I, I honestly, because they had another e bug against the Florida Panthers, to piss off Chris Weidman even more, why not just put that e bug in again? In uh, in, in relief for Samson, or even in the game against uh, well, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Why not let them have a moment for crying out loud? Like, I just don't get it. Cody's all over the comments. And I love, I love this. Cody, stay, watch every episode here. But um, they could have done it earlier. That would have been a slap in the face. They did it in the minute la- or with a minute left, just for the moment. It's not like they started the kid. You know what? I'm, I'm all with Cody here. I would have stuck him in for the last period. I would have given him mm-hmm. the entire 20 minutes yeah. and said, "Do with, do with it what you want for the last 20 minutes," um, and just shoved it down their throats like month. Montreal would do the same thing if they were in that position. And yeah. it, it's it's not about the integrity of the game. It's like, hey, you know what? We got a we got a feel-good story. The game's over. Montreal can't change any outcome here. They're gonna score six goals in a minute, 10 seconds. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. I for me, I don't have an issue with it. Um, I think you know, the guys in the room, they they don't mind it. Um I don't know. I don't know. I and and Tim Tim's coming in here too and says, you know, it is a pro league. I'm That's all for true. that. Yeah. I think uh, I I get it. I I love mm-hmm. I love the fact that it's a pro league. Look, this is a kid who was an MVP over at uh, what was it UBC. He was an MVP for the league. Um, uh, I believe it was yeah Jed Jed Alexander. He was the MVP for the uh, for the um, the UBC uh, his college team. Anyways, regardless. The fact that he he got to dress for the the Maple Leafs would have been good enough um, to get in a game like that and make a few stops. I think that's you know that's just a bonus, and um, I do think that uh, you know Cody brings up another great point. It's everything is ten times more magnified for the Leafs. They're the hockey mecca of the world. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This is this is a great. I, this is a hot debate. It's look at the comment section here. It's a, yeah. it's a great debate, and I love it. I love debates. I love. I love that you know you guys are kind of going back and forth. And I think I think both you guys bring up great points. I just at the end of the day, man, if if I got the opportunity to jump into a game and and, and suit up for for the Maple Leafs, Thank oh you. yeah, oh yeah. Look at David Ayers has made a living off of beating or. Well, not really beating, but coming in and being yeah. the, the the guy that wins it again uh, as the Zamboni driver. So, um, yeah, I mean, could it change somebody's life? Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I'm I I don't mind it, but again, it's it's a uh, it's a good conversation to have. Mm. It's a good conversation to have. But regardless, I want to jump into playoff talk. I think uh, that's what that's what our listeners want to listen to is is a little bit of playoff talk, getting ready for this series against Tampa Bay, getting ready for the age old question: um, Are the Leafs going to make it out of the first round? And unfortunately, Alex isn't here to help us answer okay. that. But um, I think uh, you know it, it's definitely it's definitely something we have to uh, have to talk about. The Leafs are going up against Tampa Bay. Um, we've seen what Tampa's done over the last two years. I remember last year when we were making our playoff predictions, I, I said Leafs, Leafs in six because Tampa's going to be tired. The next round I said, you know, Tampa's going to be out. The next round I said Tampa's going to be out. Playing too much meaningful hockey <laughs> over the last few years, and they shoved it right up my hoop and told me um, <laughs> we're going to the Stanley Cup final again. Uh, and uh, they, I mean, put on a hell of a show in the Stanley Cup final as well. So, is this the year, <laughs> Peter? Is this the year 
that the Leafs make it out of the first round. I love how Cody says it's going to be a battle at least in five, Tim. Yes, they do, but not getting any further. You're already, you're, it's already <laughs> happening. It's already happening. But um, <sighs> I mean, in my head, yes. But in reality, I'm a little bit scared because you do have that history, the six, seven years where they have this kind of mentality where you think things are going well and then the ultimate, you know, 18 wheeler off a cliff kind of happens, you know, sorry to bring that up for all the painful memories in the Brian Burke or like Brian Burke era. But at the same time, the mentality with this team, even throughout the whole entire season, you saw it progressively get better, especially after that rough month in October, the mentality and the consistency kind of got better, kind of pulled back away at times, but whenever they were starting to get out of sync, they were able to come back. They were able to get focused. They were able to get into it. And with the additions that they made at this deadline to be competitive by bringing in the experience of O'Reilly and Achari, by bringing in the physicality and two-way play of Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty, the you're going to talk about Luke Shen, but the way that the human racer has been since coming over with them to the Maple Leafs and that fight against Pat Maroon just said it all. This team is it is in it to win it. They're going to go all in and they're going to lay everything on the line. This is a team that's b- kind of built for that moment. They're built to try and take down the Giants in the Lightning, the Giants in the Bruins because of the season that they had. This is this is the make or break season. This is this is I, I don't want to say the last dance because they don't have a the championship. Last, I Sorry, lo- I, that, lo- I love it. it. I'm gonna get heat because you're comparing the Chicago Bulls to the Maple Leafs. At least the Bulls have the chips or whatever. But at least right now, this is the most complete and competitive team I have seen in this Austin Matthews or like core four era. And the fact that they have the pieces right now to succeed. I, I, again, I go back to Luke Shen in the fight. I go back to him scoring his goal. I go back to Jake McCabe laying it on the line in the dying minutes of that period with the blocked shots. I mean, he hasn't played a playoff game and he's already in playoff form. And there's even a point where there's a shot of him on the bench and he's like, you know, there's two sides to him. He's, you know, yelling, not yet necessarily yelling, but he's, you know, trying to motivate the team on the bench. And then all of a sudden you see him bob his head to some music or whatever. And I'm like, He's he, he's playing like you should, but he's still having a little bit of fun with it. Obviously, you can't have too much fun, but this is a guy that's ready. He's mentally prepared for what's to come. And if the, this whole entire team can buy into that mentality, plus with the experience of Acharya and O'Reilly, I think if they win a series, it may end against the Boston Bruins, but I think the Maple Leafs do have that best chance to try and beat the Bruins considering who they've beaten all year long. And I think the Maple Leafs have made it close against Boston most, most of the time compared to other teams. So we'll see what happens, but it definitely is a better team than it was last year going up against the Lightning, that's for sure. I think you and Tim are on the same page. Tim says they don't get past Boston. Um, yeah, I mean... Look, here's the, here's the thing. I think I agree with Tim in the comments here that you know T- Tampa Tampa's not playing well. This is the best opportunity that the Leafs have to get past that first round to beat uh, to beat Tampa. I think Tampa hasn't really had a chance to rest some of their players um, the way they have in previous years. Um, just just 
you know, trying to trying to get that home ice advantage. Not that they absolutely needed it, but Vasilevsky's played a lot of games again this mm-hmm. year. He's got a lot of miles on him. Um, how long can he stay? I'm look, we're talking about one of the best goalies in the league right now, one of the best goalies in the world right now. Um, but how long can he stay at that level playing 60 games a year? Um, and, and they did it again this year. And and credit to Cooper because he's arguably one of the best coaches in the league right now. What he's been able to do with that team, what he's been able the mind games, and we talked about it last year when when they went up against him, the mind games that he plays with this team and even even in the f- closing regular season game where they lost to Joseph Wall and and the comments are, you know, I didn't see lo- enough energy out there from yeah. our guys and that's the only reason we lost. And it's like, okay. It's not going to work this time, I don't think. Take all the credit from the Leafs for going out and, and, and Wall making 45 saves and say, yeah, it's our team. Our team just didn't play well. But it, it's, he has that way of getting in the, in the mind of the opposition. He has that mm. way of kind of playing that, you know, kind of questionable mind circus game that he plays. Um, but Tampa's Tampa's tired. And, and, you know, I said it last year, I'm going to say it again this year. Tampa's played too much high intensity hockey over the last three seasons. Um, and, and to be where they are, I mean, you're talking about in, in today's day and age, you're talking about a dynasty. That's, that's yeah. that's what a dynasty is now it back is. to back and you're back in the in the Stanley Cup final they're a dynasty um but eventually dynasties die as well and especially like tougher I, this time around because you have the salary cap you don't yeah. have the luxury like the Oilers and the Islanders well, you didn't bury you didn't bury Kucherov on the LTIR for the remainder of the season the cap. and then go 18 million over yeah. the cap right so they've had to play within within the rules of of the the league for mm-hmm. for once, and uh, you know it could come back to bite them because they didn't make enough changes. Tanner Janot got hurt, um, so that's another that's another question mark going into the into the playoff series as well. Maroon um, looked injured as well after what's that? It, Maroon looked injured as well because he had that awkward fall uh, with Nylander, but then after the fight with Shen, don't think I saw him in that game, and maybe he left. I, could be wrong about that, but he did kind of look a little bit, a little bit worse for wear. Yeah. Um, Tim, again, I think the Leafs are better with their ads, but Tampa loses more because they are not playing well. I agree. I, I, I think, I think Tampa's just not ready going into the playoffs mm-hmm. right now. Um, they're going in, not playing well whatsoever. Vasi's looking a little different, um, letting in some, some weaker goals, not, not standing on his head, not stealing games the way that he has. Again, playoffs is a different beast. We might see a different Tampa Bay. Who knows what this team can do when they when they kind of buckle down and, and grind it out. Um, but you have to give credit where credit's due. And Dubas did. Dubas knew this is his last go. Mm-hmm. He went out there and did everything he could to get the pieces he needed to fill in the holes that he needed. You got Ryan O'Reilly. You got Nola Char. You got Sam Lafferty. You have um, Jake McCabe on the back end. You have Luke Shen on the back end. This is this is this is the moment that the Leafs have now where they need to take that next step and your core four needs to take that next step. I've for the last two years, I've compared this team to the Washington capitals. And I've said, you know, it took Ovi how long to get over the hump. Well, it took Barry Trotz coming in for them to get over the hump. That's what happened is Barry Trotz came in, changed the, changed the dynamic of that team, made it more defensive, responsible team. And look what happened. Right. Um, you know, Trotz leaves and all of a sudden we're not talking about a Washington Capitals Stanley Cup team anymore. So it, 
Sheldon Keefe can get it done in the regular season. We've I talked about that in a recent piece I wrote. Um, he's a regular season guru. I don't think he's gone at the end of this year, even with Dubas likely gone. Um, I think he's a guy that can stick around and, and really develop this team. But you need the support of your your players as well. And I think that core four needs to find a way to take that next step. I don't think – I think if you lose in the first round and you're coming out and again and saying, you know, we're going to take this as a learning opportunity, that doesn't cut no it anymore. More. That doesn't no cut more. it anymore. This is that, – yeah. that, was, that was last year. That was old news. This year it's got to be completely different. Um, and and w- as we get into like kind of the role players and players to watch and keys to this matchup, Cody with a great question. For the boys, do you think Luki Shen should start the series and play until he's given – or? Give until given a reason to take him out. Um, 150%. 150%. And here's here's Luke Shen's playoff stats. Didn't hit the playoffs until 2013 14 with Philly. 31 games, three goals, six points, um, 22 penalty minutes, 31 shots, and has a game winning goal. Uh, so almost a 10% shooting percentage come playoff time. This is guy is physical. This guy plays hard. This guy is willing to fight basically anybody, as we saw with Pat Maroon uh, the other night. I, I think Luke Shen's in. I don't think you go 11-7. and seven. I think you go 12-6. and six. I think Luke Shen finds his way in the lineup, and I think Timothy Lilgren's your number seven. I, yeah. Simple. 100%. And, yeah, if if you need any reason to suggest that Luke Shen should be in the starting lineup and he shouldn't be taken out, that one game against the Lightning – Proved it all. He's ready. He's your number six defenseman. Whether he's going to be with Morgan Riley in a top four role or even in a uh, third pairing role, doesn't matter. He's going to do his job. And he has succeeded or thrived in every single aspect that he has been put in since coming over here. He's your guy. Simple as that. Another another great question uh, from Tim this time around. Does Dubas keep his job if the Leafs win at least one series? Um I'm going to, I'll take this one right away here. And I, 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 it's, it's honestly tough to say because I think, I think the slap in the face is that he wasn't offered. He was not offered a contract extension at all. So going into the season, no contract extension. It was basically do what you can this year. And you know, we'll kind of play it by year. I think the league right now, anybody that sees Dubas on the open market is going to eat him up. What mm-hmm. he's done with this team. Remember like some of these guys that came in were, were Mark Hunter's draft picks, right? Like, so he was doing, he was restarting after Mark Hunter left. So Dubas's team is just kind of coming into their own right now. Yeah. Um, you got the Matthews, you got the Marnie, you know, even Nylander was pre Dubas. Um, you know, he went out and made the move for Tavares. Uh, Morgan Riley was pre Dubas. So he's kind of stuck with some of that stuff. For me, I think if you're Kyle Dubas, I think you're, you're in charge now. You're reassessing where you're at past whatever, whatever series you get to. So let's say it's, it's the first round you get knocked out again. Dubas walks guaranteed. If you get into the second round and you see kind of what you like, you know, that you can re-sign guys like Ryan O'Reilly. Maybe you can sign Nola Chari. Maybe you can, you know, you can kind of manipulate the cap in, in your favor. I think, you know, you, you really think hard about coming back and that falls in line with what is it going to take to re-sign Austin Matthews? So if if Matthew comes out and says, "Look, I'm not staying if Dubis is here," then I think it's a <laughs> there's there's your there's your answer right there. But at the same time, I think if 
if you know Matthews comes out and says, look, I have a great relationship with Dubas and, and what he's done for this team and tried to put us in a good position to win, I think the conversation is had. Um, but, Tim, that's a great question. I, I think mm-hmm. right now it's completely up in the air, and I think, I think Dubas holds the cards. I really do. Yeah, and also if he does walk or you don't extend him, who else is out there that, you know, kind of has made, obviously he has made some questionable moves himself, but the moves that he's made this season shows that he's not afraid to make some bold moves. If you let him walk, who else are you going to bring in? There's really no one on the market that has that mindset and ability to try and make these kind of moves. Yeah, he was hesitant at first, but now seeing what he's able to do, I, I think you got to keep him on no matter what. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. There, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Cody. Andrew Forbes for Leafs GM 2024 <laughs> if he walks. Hey, I would happily, happily take that job. Uh, and I wouldn't look back. Even if you fired me a month into the season because I didn't do something right, I would happily take that job. Uh, Cody, thank you for your blessing. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, hopefully MLSC is listening in here. Um <laughs> you know let's get it done let's get it done uh Put you guys can all come over to the office for a beer uh pre-game um but let's get into like like jet alexander throw me in for a minute that's all i need um let's get to the key players in the in this matchup because at the end of the day you know you can talk about the stamkosas you can talk about the kucherovs you can talk about the Braden points you can talk about the matthews marners nylanders the keys to this matchup are going to be the role players. Um, we saw that against Tampa last time around. Nick Paul was a big piece in game seven. Um, you had Brandon Hagel who had his, his role that he was playing. The Corey Perry's, the, uh, the, the Pat Maroons. Um, those are the pieces that are going to come around and, and, and play roles. Before we get into mine, Peter, who do you have as kind of your players to watch in this series how are they going to be difference makers? And what are you looking for in a Leafs lightning matchup? Well, like you said, that players are going to be key. And I think Noel Chari is going to be that player. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people remember Chari from the Boston Bruin days where he was kind of that Maple Leaf killer where he would score a timely goal and then just be an absolute thorn in our sides. I think this time around, now that he's on our team or the Maple Leafs, not basically our team, but now that he's on the Maple Leafs, he's doing everything that you wanted that that player, getting in the lanes, getting uh, quick on the forecheck, being physical, just doing everything to win. That's his mindset. That was what it was like with the Bruins. It was like what it, it was the same thing with uh, the St. Louis Blues when he was there. And it's with that mentality right now with the Maple Leafs. I think he's good. I, I, I was on the preview show on the hockey writers asking saying like I'm making a bull prediction. And I think Noah Chari is going to score a key goal in a very important game or a game winning goal because of his mentality to drive hard to the net, get in on the attack and just be relentless with his mindset and his uh, work ethic. I think that he's going to be someone that should be kept an eye on and can have a big series. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, coming out of the Tampa Bay side, what, what are your what are your thoughts on Tampa Bay key role players that could uh, change the outcome of this series? I mean, this is kind of an easy one, and I'm going to pick this. It's Andre Vasilevsky. If he's on top of his game, it's lights out. 
And that's why, like, when it was when it was in game six, the Maple Leafs had Tampa Bay on the ropes. Obviously, you know, things happened in game six. But when you got the game seven, that's when Vasilevsky shined. And in elimination games or do or die games, that's when he's at his best. And kind of don't want that to happen again because he's going to put his best foot forward. And like you said, peak Vasilevsky or Vasilevsky on top of his game, it, it's lights out. There's no doubt about that. So I think if they have any chance to win, it's going to fall on Vasilevsky again because you have a little bit more inexperience with your lineup because you've lost some players in the offseason. You don't have Andre Pallad anymore. Um, you've lost Ryan McDonough. You've lost some key players that were essential to last year's playoff run. Kind of don't have that right now. Although you still deep team, you just don't have some of those key factors anymore. And you're relying on some of your younger players that are coming up right now as well. So, um, yeah, Vasilevsky on top of his game, that's just going to be an important uh, key player for me. This is this is what I want to look like at the end of the Leafs playoff run. I want that. <laughs> I want a nice playoff beard. I want to look angry and grizzled. I want to. I want to. I want to go through two or three rounds and just like. That's that's going to be my focus is just getting this thing nice and, mm-hmm. and bushy and disgusting <laughs> and maybe maybe give it a little scrub every once in a while with some some beard shampoo and whatever. But I think right now, obviously, we're not going to do our predictions. We're going to have a little uh, playoff prediction show with the three of us jumping on. We'll, we'll break down every series. So if you're listening now, tune into that as well. But I think Luke Shen is the big guy right here. And that's why I'm glad that Cody asked the question that he did um, because – for me, like this guy, this guy can be a, a game breaker. This guy can be, um, you know, somebody that uh, can really change the outcome of the game and he's going to be physical. And that's something that the Leafs haven't had on the back end in, in a few years. And I, I include, I include, um, uh, I include Jake Muzzin in that as well, because to me, Jake Muzzin is not, he wasn't healthy for the last few years. Like he wasn't a hundred percent. So to get a guy like like Luke Shen in there to to kind of play and 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 be that physical aspect, um, you know that's what that's what the Leafs have needed for some time. I think that's what's going to be kind of the uh, you know that's going to be what leads the, this team past past that first round and, and into a tough Boston series. And and again, Boston can go either way depending on how you know their first round series goes as well. Um, you know, Allmark's had a standout year. Allmark's never had a standout year. So at any point that he could come back down to earth. Um, we saw with Jack Campbell, had an incredible mm-hmm. first little bit of run with the Leafs and came back down to earth. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to be a big one for the Leafs. I think Sheldon Keefe's a big role player in the Leafs, uh, Leafs coming out of this series as well. And I say that because forget the line shuffling, forget the uh, – Forget all the all the BS with with who you want in the lineup. You put your best players in, and you sit your your worst players down. And if you have to bench somebody because they're not getting the job done, they're not they're not they're missing assignments. You do it. It's playoff time. You need to get through that first round. And there's there's nothing else is going to be accepted from Leafs Nation this year. First round, you have to get through it, regardless. That second round, you can start you know playing a little bit more of your your coaching aspect and 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 trying to you know do what you do as a coach, but you, your goal right now is to get through that first round. So I think Sheldon Keefe's going to be a real, big role player for me on the other side. I think you got back to the Brandon Hagels and the, and the Nick Pauls. I think those are your guys that are going to change the outcome for them. Um, and, and, 
you know, you have to, you have to kind of find a way to contain that depth um, because that's something that the, the lightning have had for a number of years. They continue to rebuild that third and fourth line and, and it works for them year in and year out. And it's because they build it with veterans who buy into the, the, the system and John Cooper credit to him where, you know, for, for what he's done over the last number of years with, with this Tampa team. Um, this is exactly how a winning team is built. And I think the Leafs need to look at Tampa and say, this is what we want to do uh, over the next few seasons and uh, find a way to get it done. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the prediction side of everything um, in our next episode. Obviously we'll break down each series um, before we close out a couple of quick things um, from, from the, from our two very loyal listeners, Cody, he thinks they get it done in five. He thinks the Leafs in five. Um he said, you know, no, no messing around after the whistles. And Tim, uh, as he said, Tim needs to, Tim, Tim says they, they need to start fast and hot. So I agree fast and hot. You know, you got to get those first couple games under your belt. You got home ice advantage. That's the best way to do it. Um, we'll see what happens. And, and uh, we look forward to getting the playoffs underway in the next little while here. But before we do, we'll, we'll be sure to have our, our playoff show, our, our prediction show, uh, for the fine folks that uh, tune into us weekly. Um, until then, Peter, anything you wanted to throw out there and add a little, little uh, hockey writers news, anything you got going on? Uh, it, it got two pieces coming out, one on Joseph wall, but a playoff one where I'm going to look at three burning questions for this Leaf lightning series. And one of them is going to be, it, I, I found it to be very interesting as of late. So be on the lookout for that. Beautiful. I've got uh, I've got a piece coming out on how Lilligren should be the number seven D going into the playoffs. Uh, I think I think it goes without saying. Uh, big shout out to Tim and Cody for tuning in tonight. Yes. Thank you guys very much for all the comments and all the all the um, interactions that you guys had with each other. Tim's got the Leafs in six playoff hockey. Let's go get your pools going, um, and uh, we look forward to what uh, what uh, is going to come for the Leafs here in the first round. Until next time. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Andrew G. Forbes. You can follow Peter at P. Barrichini, and you can follow Alex at Hey Hobson Media. Um, you can also follow uh, the show at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S T I X I N T H E Six I X P O D. As always, you can definitely subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got some some opinionated shit that comes out on there, and I have no issues uh, kind of rebuttaling what uh, what comments come on our our YouTube channel. So definitely check us out. <laughs> I should also note that tune in tomorrow to the sports podcast group as we are as one of 11 candidates up for the best hockey podcast of the year going against some tough competition. They announced the winners tomorrow. They announced the top three tomorrow. So very exciting for us, even if we don't get in that top three. Thank you all for always tuning in. Yes. Thank you all for all your support over the last three years. And uh, we're excited to continue to grow this show. Otherwise, big shout out to VSN Podcast Network for having us on live as always and to the NDL House for continuing to support us through this year. Until next time, that's all we got for you here at Sticks in the Six.